You're listening to Flipping the Barrel Podcast, a women's perspective in oil and gas. We are your hosts, Macy and Jamie. And our mission here is simple, to bring you the untold stories of this industry. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast. Thank you for tuning in once again. We are so thankful for our listeners and our followers. You guys have been amazing. We just wanted to let you know that we are running a Flipping the Barrel Friday fun review, where if you leave us a review on iTunes or directly on our website, flippingthebarrel.com, we'll be choosing a review and posting it every Friday. And we just love to hear from you guys. We love to hear perspectives and just some constructive feedback. And on today's episode, wait until you find out who it is. We're so excited. She is an amazing person here in oil and gas and just a great influencer. Her name is Sunday Shepard. She's a general manager of corporate strategy at Chevron. She has an undergrad in geology from Elizabeth City State University and a master's from UT. She never in a million years thought she'd be an oil and gas, let alone a geologist, but you'll find out how all her stars aligned. She has led an amazing career in oil and gas for a little over 21 years, so an amazing career so far, and we can't wait to find out a little bit more about you, Sunday, so thank you for being on our podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. I'm a fan of the podcast and really excited to share a few stories with you all today. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sunday. And there was a fireside chat that you did over a year ago, and it was amazing. So we're really excited to kind of elaborate off of that. So thank you again for being such an advocate in the industry. Today's episode is brought to you by Veril Energy Solutions. Did you know that Veril has been around since 1947? They're originally known for their drill bits, but through several acquisitions, investments, and rebranding, they now offer a diversified portfolio in drilling and completions. One of their core competencies is actually global manufacturing of consumable downhole products. They solve the industry supply chain problems. We've chosen to partner with Veril because they simply get it. They focus on their employees, they're committed to diversity and inclusion, and they know their only true sustainable advantage is their people. To learn more and stay up to date, please go to www.veril.com. Veril Energy Solutions, beyond technology, beyond normal. So to get started, why don't you tell us about your life growing up and what it was like to be Sunday? Awesome. So I'm from the East Coast grew up in Virginia and was raised by a single mom. My parents got divorced when I was about five months old, and it was just me and my mom the whole time. And you know, she worked hard. She was an educator. Education was extremely important, and she really instilled those values in me. As a single mom and progressing as a teacher to an administrator to ultimately as a principal, she was continuing to learn more to prepare herself for the next big thing. And to be able to do that as a single mom, she had to have a super strong network of supporters around her because she had to go to school board meetings or PTA meetings or even the occasional dates. And so I got either drug along, which was a good experience for me to learn how to adapt in all sorts of different situations, or more than likely shoved off to a fellow single mom who they really took turns supporting each other. And I kind of grew up in that environment. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit of where did you go to college and what did you decide to study after all? Yeah. So growing up, it was never a question that I would go to college. You know, my mom started saving right away and that was just always very important. And I, I did well in school. 
English and communications and writing were my strengths. Those were things that came really naturally to me, really easy to me. But I loved science and math, but it was hard. Mm -hmm. So, So when it was time to go to college, my mom said, all right, so... I have enough money for you to go to any state school in Virginia that you want because you need in-state tuition and hopefully you can get some scholarships. So, so you choose. So luckily Virginia has awesome state schools. And so I found three, one that was the top school, one that was my safety school and one that was a happy in the middle. And I got into all of them. And so then I had to decide, and this is kind of indicative to me in my early years. It was like, how hard did I want to work? So I chose the middle one (laughs) and I said, you know, I want to work medium hard and great school, but I'm excited to get out of the house, have some freedom, expand, explore some different things. So I'm going to go to the middle one. And so I did. And then kind of continuing on with, with the easy natural path, it was time to declare a major. And I was like, well, I chose mass communication and I declared, I think even before I showed up on campus, you know, filling out forms is like, here's what I'm going to do. And I would love to be a newscaster. I had read a book about Connie Chung and thought, that's awesome. She's a woman. She gets to tell these great stories, travel, explore, be on camera, meet lots of different people. That all sounded really exciting to me. So that was my plan go become a mass communications major and ultimately a network broadcaster. So you mentioned that you're growing up, your mom was a single mother, you know, Marcel and I both kind of come from that background where our parents were divorced when we were at a young age. So do you think that that kind of had an influence in how you, you know, started your life and how you kind of looked at situations and also like when going to school and, you know, working, working hard for what you wanted and to be self-sufficient, do you think, you know, your mom kind of impacted you in that way? You know, Jamie, definitely. I think I always saw my mom working and I saw the sacrifices that she had to make, either spending time with me, doing things that she wanted to do that were fun and needing to prioritize work sometimes. I saw that. I also saw us having to make choices and having tough talks. Even as a kid, sometimes she would say to me, hey, Sunday, please don't ask you know, to go on any field trips with school this, this month, because we have more, more month at the end of our money and we really need to buckle down. And I think that's an important lesson for a kid to learn Mm -hmm. growing up. I mentioned the importance of a strong support system and network, but uh, she was always looking ahead and thinking, you know, where do I want to be? And it took hard work to do that. So I started working at 14 and have always worked, worked all through college, you know, and always worked in situations where I dealt with a wide variety of people and my ability to get along with people, to understand what they needed, to kind of convince them of stuff. All of that, I think, played into my career and the path that I've been on as a geologist and as an employee at Chevron. So let's talk about a little moment in your life where you disappointed your mom a little bit, that tangent. <laughs> so it seemed that you did mass communications and you just weren't happy and fulfilled. It maybe wasn't what you expected. And that happens to so many students where they're like, I want to be this when I grow up. And then you're in the classes and you're like, oh, this sucks. So you kind of went through that a little bit. You decided, you know what, I'm going to leave school. I'm going to quit and I'm going to be a full-time waitress, which you were doing on the side. 
And your mom, obviously being an educator, was not happy with that decision. And she basically said, well, you're on your own now. The money that I had saved up, I'm going to keep it because this was meant for college. And even through probably those talks of her trying to get you to stay, you still decided that this was what was best for you. Can you talk a little bit about what made you decide to leave school? Yeah, it was a tough decision. And I was not into it, what I was doing. They were giant classes. I didn't, none of the professors knew me. They didn't really care if I was there or not. Really big classes and and no personal connection. And I learned about myself that I, that's really important to me. That personal connection is, is incredibly motivating and I need to feel connected to the groups I'm working with, to what I'm doing to give my best. And I was just a face in the crowd. So my grades were fine because I was smart and, you know, I knew I did what I needed to do to get by, but absolutely zero heart in that. Mm -hmm. And I also realized nobody was beating down my door to say, come be on TV and be a broadcaster. (laughs) So, you know, it was time to, to sit back and reflect. And I think that lack of motivation, I'll share with you guys, you know, I was probably a bit wandering around and maybe headed down some paths that weren't weren't the best for me and I needed a complete change and break and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what to do and so I just said I just need to stop I, mm-hmm. I need to I need to stop I need to leave and kind of go to this other place I had been working in the summers as a waitress and I was working in this one restaurant that was such a great family feel and they were really encouraging of me they said hey you know you could work here full time. You could be a manager. You could, you know, do this, you could do that. And I thought I felt very valued and mm-hmm. and very needed and I wasn't feeling that at all at school. Yeah, so, you had that um, personal connection and they were making you feel like, "Hey, you have a place here." Whereas in I school you place. just felt like a number in the classroom. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So while it was really hard to tell my mom that and she didn't get it at all. And, you know, like you said, she said you're on your own. I I hope it works out for you. But I did tell her, look, mom, you know, I've known since I was three years old, I was going to graduate from college, but I can't do it now. I just need some time to figure out. I, I need a little bit of time. And, you know, it took some trust. And I think eventually she got okay with it. She did say her network of friends was like, just let her be. She's going to be fine. She's a good kid. She'll come around. And I did, but I needed that time. I think for me, it was doing something that was just the natural path. I needed to be more intentional about my choices. And it was a little bit of a way for me to take control and, and reset and really think about what's important to me. What's important to Sunday? What makes me go versus let's just go along with kind of this path that seems like one that's kind of happening. Well, I really like that you shared that because I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. And I know, especially with the pressure in today's world of like being successful and going to school and getting out early and taking AP classes, it's like, you feel like you have to be on this path, you know, of success and you have to be making, you know, six figures by the time you graduate. So, you know, I'm really glad you shared that. You know, it's really interesting too, about the story is that you were a waitress for like two years and then you decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. You know, what made you go back to college? And I believe you got a scholarship as well. So how, how did that pan out? And was there like a certain person specifically that kind of pushed you to go back and, you know, get a major? Yeah, great question. And, you know, again, kind of pulling on that, that feeling of connectiveness, I think first, 
after two years, I was feeling a little bit more like I knew where I wanted to go. And I knew I needed to finish a degree because I wanted to create some more options for myself. I loved living on the beach. And frankly, I thought I might own a restaurant and live there forever. I was engaged to this guy who was a fireman on this tiny island and, you know, also had this path that was was leading in the way. But I wasn't quite sure and wanted to have some flexible options and felt like I was ready to go back to school. And so when I looked around, I didn't want to leave. I loved my life on the beach. I made great money as a waitress. I was a really good waitress. It was a popular restaurant. So the closest university for me to go to was in this town called Elizabeth City State. And there was a guy who worked at my restaurant who was one of my best friends. And he said, hey, Sunday, you know, you should go to Elizabeth City State. I'll show you around. And it's a historically Black college. So you can get a scholarship. And, you know, you can live here on the beach, work at this restaurant, and then commute to school. And he lived in the town and commuted to the restaurant. So he's like, we'll wave at each other on the road. And We went up to the town one day. He took me to the university. I registered that day, talked to them about transferring my credits, how all of that would go, filled out my financial aid forms and my scholarship forms, and it was a done deal. And I think, you know, I needed that that pull from my friend. The financial assistance that I got was amazing. And I'm super grateful for all of that, kind of the stars aligning for that to come together for me. And now a little word from our sponsor, Technique FMC. Marcel, you know what I really appreciate about Technique FMC being one of our sponsors is our mission is directed towards a more inclusive and diverse workforce. One of the reasons why we started this podcast, as many of you know, was to move the industry forward. And they backed that belief. Their focus is creating a culture of inclusion that will attract, develop, and retain a more diverse, talented group and ensure their employees can always bring their authentic selves to work. This is important, you know, especially to our generation. Totally agree with you, Jamie. But beyond the DNI, they're also big into technology. They believe in change and innovation in everything they do. Their offerings range from individual products and services to fully integrated solutions with a single interface to ensure a seamless execution. They have four main priorities, energy transition, emerging materials, digital, and industrialization. To find out more about their most popular technologies like SubC 2.0, iProduction, Gemini ROV system, and iComplete, go to TechniqueFMC.com. It's interesting because I remember when you were mentioning that to me a while back, it's like you were a minority all of a sudden, which now you felt, you know how it feels, which is usually the opposite. So I thought that was really interesting how you got a scholarship being a minority. Yeah. So Elizabeth City State is 76% Black and 24% other. And I do feel like that was that experience going to school in that setting is one that has helped me in my career going forward. As a female in the oil and gas industry, you're often the only one and getting comfortable in that situation and learning to be okay being the only one, but how to build connections with people who look different from you and may not be sure how to, how to deal with you, I think is really, really an important life lesson that mm-hmm. I got through that experience. Plus, I got an awesome education. Yeah, that's awesome. Like you said, your stars really did align at that in that moment. So like up until this point, you went back to college. 
but you never had an interest in oil and gas at this point. You didn't know anything about geology. So tell us, how did you end up falling into the space and what made you go into geology? So again, kind of falling in is, is appropriate. So when I went to Elizabeth City State, I was an English major. They didn't have a comm department at this point. It was just get a degree in something, whatever is going to be the fastest. So it was English. And I had to take a science class and was taking an environmental science class that was taught by this guy who was ex-Exxon. And he was the chairman of the geological sciences department. And so he said to me, hey, Sunday, you're really smart. You ask great questions. You're really curious. What's your major? I said, English. He's like, well, what do you want to do with that? I was like, own a restaurant. He's like, well, have you ever thought about geology? I'm like, no, never thought about geology. What do you, what do, you do with that? He said, well, you know, we're having a lunch at the department. This was right before the Thanksgiving holidays. And he said, why don't you come over and have lunch with us? And you, we'll talk to you some more about what geologists do, what we study, what it's like. And, you know, if you want to be an English major, fine. So I did. And I went over for lunch. And first of all, the family feel, they had turkey and stuffing and pies. And we sat down and we had this amazing Thanksgiving dinner together, which, you know, warmed my heart and made me feel a part of something. And then they started telling their stories. There are four full-time faculty and seven students in the department. So tiny, tiny department. And all of these people were super passionate. And as they were telling their stories, I was like, oh, I love that too. Oh, wow, that sounds really exciting. I would love to do that. And it opened my eyes to this whole world that I didn't know existed. So again, really quickly, I'm like, okay, English X, geology check. <laughs> you know, making up on some, some science and math classes that I hadn't taken all along, not preparing for this. But once this guy told me about his career with Exxon and what would be possible for me, I was like, I am in, I am so in, this is so exciting. And I was just really, really motivated. That's really amazing. And I can see like the consistency and your story on how you like that personal feel. So being a geologist in that little group that you had, I can see how that felt like, you know, home to you. So what I find interesting in your story though, is you decided to then go into geology. Now, did this extend your stay at the college? And also if it did, how, and when did you end up going into the recruitment with Chevron? Yeah, so it did. I ended up, so two years out of high school, two years break, and then it took me three years to graduate with my geology degree because I had taken the basic of the basic math mm -hmm. classes in, in Stint yeah. 1, and none of that counted. Mm -hmm. So I had to start again with real math. And then I knew since I was very industry focused as an earth scientist, I needed to get a graduate degree to really be competitive for, for jobs in industry. So I started researching graduate schools and it's funny. I, so I took the GRE, the entrance exam and my scores were okay. And that guy, Dr. Sinha, the Exxon guy was like, well, you need to apply to a lot of schools because you're coming from a school that no one's ever heard of. Your mm -hmm. scores are are fine, but they're not going to get you noticed. So you better apply to a lot of schools. So I did, I applied to eight schools and got into all eight. So then was making choices. I was like, where do I, where do I want to go? Yeah. And so I had mentioned that my mom said, I'm not giving you any of the money I saved for college. 
So by this time, when I was ready to graduate with my undergraduate degree and going on to grad school, she was like, okay, Sunday, we're going to use this money and go on a trip. And now we had never been on a trip except to visit family. She's like, so we can go to a spa anywhere you want to go in the U.S. So I said, hey, there's a really nice spa in Austin. That would be great. (laughs) So I chose this spa because it was affiliated with the university or in Austin. And I could go to UT and talk with some professors there and line up things for graduate school. So we went to the spa. It was amazing. I went to campus one day and built a relationship with a few professors, one of whom who ended up being my advisor and then was recruited by Chevron out of grad school. It's crazy how life happens. It's it's almost like it's such an interesting story and just like how everything unfolds and whatever was meant for you, you know, is for you. So let's talk a little bit about when you did that interview with Chevron and you, it's interesting to know that after all of these years, this question from this recruiter still is something that you talk about. So what was it that that recruiter asked you? And yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, no, thanks for for bringing that up. So I had done an internship in the summer between my my years of my master's work. And it was great because I loved the work that I was doing. I was good at it. I really liked the work. The bad thing was oil was 20 bucks. And so they were on a hiring freeze and I did not get a job offer. But we kind of left with this, this wink, wink handshake. They were like, well, if we had a job, we would totally offer it to you. I said, well, if you had offered it, I totally would have accepted. And so, but then we left and I came back and interviewed with with other companies, including Chevron. I was pretty good. I interviewed with a lot of companies, was good at answering the questions. But the Chevron recruiter who still works at Chevron and is a friend of mine asked me the question to describe my dream job. And so I gave an answer that sounded okay at the time, but it really made me think. Two days later, I emailed the guy and was like, hey, Rob, I need to refine my answer. And I'm so glad he asked me that question because it was one of those life-changing small moments, right? So I described my dream job as where I could be part of a diverse workforce. The company that I had interned with, it wasn't a very diverse workforce from a gender or ethnicity perspective. And I wanted all types of diversity. I wanted, I thrive in that situation, right? I wanted opportunities to travel and experience new things. Their portfolio was pretty limited to Kansas and Oklahoma. And I had been doing a lot of work in Kansas and Oklahoma. This is pre-unconventional. So, you know, fairly limited in terms of portfolio opportunities as a geologist that I would work on for my career. I wanted tools and technology, being able to solve tough problems. I wanted to be able to rock the boat. I'm a little bit of a boat rocker and wanted to work somewhere where it was okay to say, hey, I see this differently, or I would like to try something that we've never done before. And the culture at this company wasn't, wasn't very boat rocky. And I wanted to do something that made the world better. I wanted to do something important and thinking about providing energy to fuel the world was really exciting and motivating to me. So all of those things kind of coming together helped me make choices on which company to come to. And I felt that Chevron had the basket of that dream job that I was looking for. 
That's so interesting. And I love how you went back and actually explained that to him. So what was his feedback? And then moving forward, like, what is your thought on mentorship in this space? Because it does sound like throughout the process of you even getting the job at Chevron and, you know, your career, you've really valued, you know, mentorship. And I know that when Asiel first spoke, you talked about a time with your first assignment in California. So if you could speak a little bit on that, and then also kind of the feedback from the recruiter, when you actually went back to him with that answer. Thanks. So I don't really remember what he said, but I got a job. So I, <laughs> so it was good. <laughs> so I think it was good. And, you know, I think it did show that I was thoughtful and I was committed. Right. So, so I think that all worked out in terms of the mentorship, kind of the theme that I've had all along is really needing to feel, feel connected and understand my place. And so early in my career, when I was working in California, I had a couple of folks that I worked with who helped me with my technical skills and really building confidence and helping me to feel like I could rock the boat or could speak up or offer a different opinion and show me how to navigate in this world of Chevron to do that in a way that was effective and successful. That early technical mentorship was really important, but also for me, I really appreciated a pull. So someone to say, hey, you've got something that would be useful for this project. We need you, not just we need somebody, we need you. And I loved that. And that, that helps me to really bring all of, all of me and my full talents to the table to continue to add value. Yeah, that's amazing. I think almost everyone that we've had on here just really does always focus on mentorship and how that's helped them get to where they are. And they've always tried to give it back. And even just coming on this podcast and sharing your story shows a sign of mentorship because we're influencing other people's lives that we don't even know we're touching. Just like that potluck with Thanksgiving and them just sharing their stories. And all of a sudden, here you are 20 years later in oil and gas just because of them. So that's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about motherhood. Jamie and I both just had babies in the last few months. It's obviously, it changes your life, your aspects, your career, everything. I know Jamie and I were both really scared at first when we found out we were pregnant of what that meant for our career. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of your journey through motherhood? You have three kids, I believe, and your last one was in your 40s. And I think you mentioned they were like, what, you're having a kid? You know, like it was not expected. So if you want to just share a little bit of that. Yeah, awesome. Well, first, congratulations to you guys. Motherhood is amazing. So I was never the person who was like, I am born and bred to be a mother. Y'all know me a little bit by now. I was like, well, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> yeah. I'll just go with the flow. And, and you know, that's, that's a great attitude. But as you get older, it's harder to go with the flow and, and end up being a mother. But so I found out I was pregnant with my first at 35. And I think at that point, Chevron, like my managers had kind of said, oh, I don't think she's going to have kids. I think they had decided that. So when I did go to them and said, hey, I'm pregnant, I was a team lead and said, hey, I'm pregnant. And they're like, oh, we're surprised. That was what they first said. (laughs) And I was like, okay, shouldn't be that surprising, but that's all right. But I think what really helped all of us was I said, I'm pregnant and here's my plan. Here's how... And of course, it didn't go to plan. It never does. But I did say, I have a plan. Here's how I'd like to cover my job. Here's how I I think I want to approach everything. 
And, you know, I was hired in 99, 2000. So that was a dip demographically in Mm -hmm. earth sciences. So they had gone through this period where you didn't have young women having babies. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of in the front of that second hump there coming through like that. So I think for me to say, yes, I'm pregnant and here's how I want us to handle it. So it wasn't like something they had to solve or, mm-hmm. or figure out, I think really helped. And I think going through towards helping people behind you, I think, I think that experience of just saying, it's not a big deal. We will all be good through this. And I'm going to continue to be an employee who contributes and progresses and adds value and is engaged for the rest of my career, I think was, it was a useful experience for all of us. Yeah. Do you feel that anything changed when you came back after your first child? Or do you think that, you know, the atmosphere was, wasn't much different and, you know, it didn't have any kind of implications on kind of what they thought, you know, of pre Sunday versus, you know, Sunday as a, as a mother. I was really worried that it would be different. You know, I'd always been a super strong performer, great performance reviews and, thought that I would be kind of average from there on out, but I wasn't. And even when I was working part-time, so getting paid half, Chevron really did judge my performance for the time they were paying me for. So at the time we had kind of a three-tiered ranking system at Chevron, which has, has evolved and changed since then. But there were kind of percentages of how many people could get that top level ranking. And I thought, well, there's no way I'm going to get that top level because I'm only here half time. They're going to save that for people time, here full time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I never missed a beat. And I was really proud of that. And I think it was important for me to show the other leaders that you can work part time, be managing family stuff and still be a top contributor and be paid and valued for that. So that's amazing. It was coming back was really easy. In that respect. And, you know, we really appreciate, you know, you sharing that with us because it's people like you that really show that, you know, having children doesn't do anything but help your career. And I think it helps you as a person. And it just takes the right company to understand that. And Chevron, of course, does. And I feel like that is just really great. And I hope a lot of companies can get to that point because, if anything, it makes you a better person and you learn just so much from the experience that you can't get elsewhere. So, Thank you for sharing. And not to mention, you know, you are the GM of corporate strategy. So you definitely, you know, didn't take, you know, any back seat. So I think that that really proves, you know, to your point. But lastly, what we'd like to ask you before we close here is, did you ever have a plan to like get to the top? I know through your story, you have explained like kind of your drive and your ability, you know, to continue to grow within your career. Were titles ever a thing that you focused on? And, you know, how did that impact you with your career today? Yeah. So short answer is no, never anything that I've focused on. I like having options and like sketching out a few different paths, but really that's only been in the last maybe five or six years that I've really, really thought about that. I think, I think for the the first half, at least it was a bit, really my progression was focused on what else do I need to learn? It was from a point of building different perspectives and satisfying my own curiosity. Chevron's a big company, lots of aspects of the business. And I wanted to make sure that I was continuing to be to learn new things, to get to do those dream job things that keep me motivated. And so I think just keeping seeking those experiences that I'm engaged and give my best 
kind of let it, let it all work out. So I still sometimes get a little, a little shocked and surprised at where I am. (laughs) And it's fun to look around and be like, wow, this is, this is cool. And I like to emphasize the fact that now I do have, I have three children. I had a hard time when I found out I was surprised pregnant with my third, who's amazing, but I was 42. And I thought, I said to my husband, Hey, I should just quit now because While Chevron was totally good with me being a committed employee who's also a mother with two kids, now with three, I have clearly chosen mommy track over Chevron track. So, you know, I should just throw in the towel. And luckily, he's a great partner. He's like, hey, you're crazy. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're going to be fine. But I think for me, I didn't see any examples looking around who I could look to and say, oh, yeah, they're doing this. I can totally do it, too. So that's something that motivates me is to be that example for others so they can say, hey, she's doing that. I can do that too. Recognizing it looks different for all of us. But I try to make sure I emphasize the fact when I talk with people that I'm a geologist. We have a lot of engineers at Chevron and they often run the show, but geologists do as well. And the fact that I'm a mother with three kids, and I also have a spouse who works at Chevron as well. So I'm part of a dual career Chevron family. And I just try to make that really clear and visible so that they see my work first and foremost, but also get a picture of what else I bring to the table. And I think that shapes my perspectives and helps differentiate me a bit with what I bring to the table. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, what I wanted to mention was I remember when you were talking at the beginning, you were mentioning that, you know, you looked up to see, okay, what other women have one kid and are successful? Okay, there's a few, two kids, okay, three kids. I don't see anybody CEO or like high level that is successful and has three kids. So that was something that, you know, you're always looking out and say, okay, if she can do it, I can do it too. But then you kind of have to become that person. So I thought that was really awesome because as like Jamie and I, we're always looking at, okay, you know, she did this. Like, even when we got pregnant, it was like, okay, how many women have kids and are still successful? Like, you want to see that. You want to see yourself in someone else. And you got to see it. He did it. I can do it too. Yeah. So thank you for sharing because it's it's so amazing to see everything that you've done. And just being a mom of three, like... I know. I still wonder how you juggle that with work. We could barely take it's care of one kid. It's not pretty. I will tell you, you know, just in short, we prioritize. I have a great partner. I pull in support. I don't cook. We eat mac and cheese a lot. Yeah. But, I love but it. it's, it's priorities, right? That's so funny. I, I tell my husband like every morning we cook breakfast and I'm like, you know, I'm hundred percent sure most families with children do not cook breakfast like this. And I, we have so many dishes and that's why you don't usually do this because it co- takes too much time. So yeah, I love that. So man, thank you so much, Sunday. You are absolutely amazing. And you've really inspired me, especially like, like you said, three kids, you know, growing your career, dual career, your husband works too. I mean, it's just amazing what you've done and I'm definitely going to be following and looking up to you. So, you know, thank you for blazing that trail for all of us. No, super glad, really glad to have the opportunity to have a chat and share the story. And y'all are awesome as well. I'm like, how do they have time to be mothers and to be great employees and to continue to put out this awesome podcast, which helps share stories and inspire and show everyone else what's possible. So big fans. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.